Good to see all of you. Good to see all of you tonight. Um, my wife Sherlin's with me. Hon, would you stand up? <laughs> We've been married 47 years. Can you imagine that? 47 years. Then I have my brother Dan and his wife Kathy uh, with us as well. Would you guys stand up? I'm the oldest of 12, and Dan's number four. So there's seven, brother, uh, seven boys and five girls in our family. We were raised Amish. Have you, anybody ever heard of the Amish? Have you ever been down our way? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, I, huh? Yeah, I drove um, horse and buggy until I was 18 years old, and then I thought I'd get a car. I wanted a car. <laughs> and, um, but Sherlin and I have been um, pastoring Worship Center for 38 years. And um, it's been a great journey for us. We graduated from Rama Bible Training Center, the same uh, school, Bible college that your pastor. Um, did you both graduate or just both uh, your pastor, John and Anita? And we, we certainly appreciate our friendship and our association and connection with them uh, here in, in the Northeast region. There's about 165 ministers here, Rama uh, graduates in the Northeast, which includes uh, New Jersey and New York and Pennsylvania and all of New England. So um, what had I started saying before I said that? Huh? See, you're not even listening, are you? Anyway, we've been pastoring 38 years, and um, it's been a, been a great journey for us. We started with 25 people. When we came home, that's what I want to say, when we, after we graduated from Bible College in 1977, and uh, came back to our home area and, and uh, started a church with 25 people, and the uh, Lord started bringing people, and we've been, we've been ministering there ever since, and it's been a great to be able to minister to hundreds and of families in our community and and um, we we have a missions-minded church we reach out around the world and um, so anyway but it's great to be with you here tonight and um, at our church back home called worship center I, I started a series called our great God our great God how many of you know we serve a great God serve a great God <laughs> so I want to share some of that with you tonight. I felt in my heart to do that. And um, so let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we know that your word is, is your will written down for us to live by. And uh, we open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us tonight. We know that you speak. My prayer is that we would hear. And so, Lord, as we spend these few minutes together, I pray that we would be encouraged and strengthened uh, in our hearts uh, to live in a stronger way for you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. 
But without faith, without their means to, means apart from faith or outside of faith. Apart from faith or outside of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith there means to believe or to be persuaded. For he who comes to God must believe that he is or that he exists and that he is a rewarder. How many of you believe God is a rewarder? That he is a rewarder, which means remunerator, to give back or gives away or restores. He's a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. Now, when you think about the word seek, I don't know what comes to your mind, but um, what comes to my mind is kind of like you lock yourself up in a little room and, and you get real intense with God. And uh, nothing wrong with that, and that may be part of the, of the definition, but really when you look at this word seek, it means to worship or to desire or to crave or to search out, not, not in a way where God is lost and we're looking for Him. We're the ones that are lost usually, not Him. Uh, but it doesn't mean that way that, he, that, that he is, we're, we're trying to look for Him because He's lost, but to search Him out and find out more and more about Him. You know, we could live to be 100 years old and every day we could find out something new about God and there'd still be more. You all know that, don't you? To search out, or it means to investigate carefully and diligently. So when you look at the whole word seek, it means it speaks of relationship. So when we have a life-giving, ongoing, growing relationship with God 24-7, that's what that word involves, to seek, to seek God. We're after Him all the time. He's top. He's first place in our lives. Now, when you think about our great God, we serve a great God, but yet He, what's your name? But yet He loves Phyllis individually and personally. So we have this great God that, that created the universe, created everything we see, but yet He, what's your name, sir? Gary. But yet He loves Gary individually and personally. So our great God, but yet He's a personal God, right? So to get a little bit better of idea what we mean when we say our great God, if you look at Colossians, Colossians, I have a lot of scripture for you tonight. That's just the way I, I teach or preach. In Colossians chapter 1, it's in verse 15, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. <laughs> Think about that. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. I just love that little part. Christ is the visible image. You know, sometimes people say, well, I wonder what God is like. I wonder what He's really like. But right here's the answer. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. <laughs> and then if you look at verse 19, same chapter, it says, for God... In all His fullness, in all His everything that He that He says, everything that He ever did, everything that He uh, that that the Bible says about Him, God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. <laughs> Are you hearing me? 
to live in Christ. So if we want to know what God is like, we never, we never ever have to wonder what God is like anymore. What we need to do is read the Gospels and find out what Jesus was like, what He did, what He said, and how He lived. And that's what God is like. That's what our great God is like. So when we look at Jesus, we see God. You know, one time uh, Jesus was talking to His disciples and, and Philip said... Um, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, you've been with me all this time and you don't know the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when I talk about our great God, that's what I mean. Our Father, the one that created the universe but yet loves Phyllis and loves Gary and everybody else in this room. What Jesus said and did is God's will for us. And this helps us understand who our great God is. He was in Jesus. If you don't get anything else tonight but that, just remember that God was in Jesus. So everything Jesus did and said, God was in him. <laughs> Amen? Amen? We could just go home right now and say, man. we." <laughs> so our great God, and then what I did in this series at our church, our great God slash is our healer is our Redeemer. He is for us and not against us. He calls us friends. And so I chose a whole bunch of those things and, and put it in a series. But tonight, I want to talk about one of those. I want to talk about our God is our anchor. You're probably wondering what this was up here for, right? So it's just a prop. I'm not going to do much with it. I'm just going to, I just want, want to say that our great God is our anchor. This uh, anchor. Tell me your first name again. Jerry. What? Jerry? Jerry? Gar no, the, the other guy behind you. Steve. Steve. He brought this here. And he said, didn't you tell me that this anchor would, would hold a 30-foot boat? A 30-foot boat. That's pretty big. Right? That's as long as this, I don't know how long this stage is, but probably from there to pretty close to the other side there, huh? Longer than that. So, 30-foot boat, if we'd have a 60-pound anchor, a 60-pound anchor will hold a 50 to 60-foot boat or ship in place in gale-force winds. So, holding, holding power to a boater is very important. Holding power to a boater, very important. So... An anchor holds us in place in the storms of life. Anybody in here ever had a storm of life? Anybody in here not have a storm of life? I don't see any hands. If I'd have seen some hands, I'd come back and talk to you and see how you did that. Go through life without any storms. Right? So they come to everybody. The storms of life. Whether, it, whether we have a storm or not does not measure how much faith we have in God. It's just the fact of life. Just because we live in this world, there's the storms of life. And so we need an anchor to hold us steady in the, in the storms of life. Hebrews 6.19 says it this way. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. If we don't have hope, 
we're not going to get through the storms of life. In the latter part of August of this year, Sherilyn and I went with our family on vacation. The second day we were there, we got a call from really good friends of ours who had been in our church for many, many years. Uh, and the year, about a year ago or so, they moved to Florida. But they called us from there and told us that their 25-year-old son had just overdosed on heroin and died. 25-year-old son. And he, this, this couple, uh, it took them eight years to conceive... So Sherlyn and I prayed for them, and they conceived and had this little boy, and we dedicated him to the Lord. And then at age 10, we baptized him, and then at age 25, we did his funeral. Very sad, very sad, certainly not God's will, very sad. But, and, and he was four months clean, four months clean, doing well, gave his life to Christ in prison, got out of prison, got back with his old friends, and one time too many. One time too many. So I've been staying in touch with the, with the dad and, and the mom and um, talked to the, to the father last week. And I said, how are you doing? He said, Pastor Sam, I don't know how people would go through this without the Lord. He said, the Lord, as hard as it is, the Lord, this is what he said, the Lord is keeping us firm and steady and secure. So the Lord is their anchor. And the Lord can be our anchor in the storms of life. No matter how chaotic our world gets, we have an anchor, our great God that holds us steady and secure. Now, our relationship with God is the anchor for our soul. That's where it starts. Our relationship with God is the anchor for our soul. Sometimes in the storms of life, all we can do is know that our anchor is in place and will hold. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? I just know it's in place. I'm just going to hold on. That's why it's so important we have an anchor. Then I thought about this scripture in Acts chapter 27. If you're following along in your Bible, Acts 27. See, to know that we have an anchor is not enough. We have to intentionally put the anchor in place. We have to receive Christ. But listen to this. This is a time when they were um, transporting Paul, a prisoner. I believe, it, I believe they were on their way to Rome. And it says about midnight on the 14th night of the storm. How would you like a 14-day storm? 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors since land was near, they dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate... They were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. Now watch this. So they drew, threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? I'm going to throw out my anchors and I'm going to pray for daylight. <laughs> but the thing that, that I noticed here, in the midst of the storm, see, our chief anchor, if I can say it that way, our chief anchor is our relationship with God. But in the midst of the storm, they threw out four anchors and prayed for daylight. In the midst of the storm. So I thought, what four anchors will hold us steady in the midst of any storm that we go through? What four anchors? Actually, sometimes in today's world, it seems like it's one constant storm, doesn't it? 
Are you all here tonight or are you asleep? <laughs> so I thought four anchors. Number one, number one anchor that we throw out in the midst of a storm is living in Christ, the living word. Living in Christ, the living word. Now, I said the living word because, you know, the Bible can just be another book if you just, uh, you know, set it, let it in your car from one Sunday to the next or from one Wednesday to the next or on your, you know, coffee table at home or whatever, wherever you keep it on the shelf. But if you take this book and take the words off of this, off of these pages and put them in your heart, it becomes a living word. So anchor number one is the word, the living word, living in Christ, a sharp awareness of Christ in us. Psalm 91.1 says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now Colossians 1.26 and 27, it talks about the mystery that there was under the old covenant, and, but it's now revealed and the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The living word in you. Christ is not here in bodily form, but he is here in the form of his word and his spirit. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, Pastor Sam, I, you know, we're, we just, we're not getting fed here anymore, so we're going to go somewhere else. Or somebody will come to me and say, you know, we, we came here from another church and we weren't getting fed there. And... Um, so I always think about that. So since when is it my responsibility whether you get fed or not? Right? Now you ought to go to a church where they preach the word, where they speak the word, where you, can know, you know when you come here on a Wednesday night or a Sunday that you're going to get the word. But how many of you know you can't live on two meals a week? You can't live on two meals a week. If you live on two meals physically a week, you'd probably die after a while. Because you'd be malnourished. And that's the problem with us sometimes. We're malnourished spiritually. See, the thing is, we have to be consistent self-feeders. Self-feeders. Read and think the Word. Where are you living in your thoughts? You know, are, are you living the word in your thoughts? You know, we have, to, we have to take responsibility for our own feeding program. I have a little uh, three-and-a-half-year-old great-grandson. My oldest granddaughter is 24, and she has a little three-and-a-half-year-old son that's my buddy. He lived in my house till he was two years old, so we're like attached. And he's just learning to feed himself before we had to feed him all the time. You know, it got a little messy when he's trying to feed himself, but now he, he can feed himself. It looked kind of funny if he, you know, as he grows to be 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, and I'd still be feeding him. Right? Unless he's not well. But for a well person, they have to become a self-feeder. Now, when it comes to the Word, in Psalm 91, it says this. It says... This I declare. Everybody say declare. declare. This I declare. So the word is not only reading it, but also declaring it. 
Speak the word in the midst of the storm. I'm talking about throwing out anchors in the midst of a storm. Speak the word. Now, you know, sometimes in the midst of a storm, you don't feel like doing anything. Do you? You don't feel like doing anything? And, but you know what? Your spiritual strength is not in your physical. Is not your, physical your physical strength is not your spiritual strength. And so, even if you just whisper... Even if you just whisper and declare the word of God over your situation. Our strength is not in the volume of our voice, but in the resolve of our heart. Let me say that again. Our strength is not in the resolve, in the volume of our voice, but in the resolve of our heart. So a whisper can defeat the enemy. So anchor number one, living in Christ, the living word number two. Know and exercise our authority as a believer. Every child of God has authority over the devil. And sometimes you just have to rise up and stand up and say to the enemy, Get your hands off my family. Get your hands off my business. Get your hands off my finances. Get your hands off my relationships. Get your hands off my body. Get your hands off of me. But now before you clap, before you clap, he doesn't care how loud you shout. Because the authority is not in the shout, necessarily. It's not wrong to raise your voice. I'm just saying that's not the authority, though. You remember um, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, and the enemy said, why don't you make these stones loaves of bread? That's after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, so he's hungry, because he was, he was human. He was 100% human and 100% God. So he was human. But Jesus didn't just say, I rebuke you. I rebuke you. Get out of here. I rebuke you. No. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he used the word of God, and that was the rebuke. That's what will rebuke the enemy. Not just loud shouting. Are you listening? Exercising our authority is not loud shouting necessarily, but it's speaking the word into our lives. Some years ago, my associate pastor has been with me 31 years on, on staff. 31 years. He was a dairy farmer before that. And so um, one Sunday morning, they were late, and they were, this was 1982. 1982. They were late, and they were worship leaders that morning. And they're never late because dairy farmers are never late. They're always up early. They're not late. So I couldn't figure it out. They were never late. So we get a call and said they were in an accident, and their little four-month-old son was killed on their way to church. And they were critically injured and almost killed both of them. And their other two children were hurt as well, not as badly as, as the mom and the dad. So one killed, two kids hurt. And they were critically injured, both of them. So it took, you know, three or four months for them to, to um, mend. And they came back to church. First weekend they came back. Don asked me if, if he could say something. I'll never forget what he said. I'm talking about exercising our authority, okay? i never forget what he said. He said to the people, he said, we just want you to know that the enemy picked on the wrong couple. 
the enemy picked on the wrong couple. I love that. And they said, we are, we are more determined today to live out our lives for God and to live out our call as we ever have been. But the enemy picked on the wrong couple. See, that's the kind of, um, that's what I mean by authority. There has to be something in us that's going to rise up when things come into our lives to cause us to be overcomers. Psalm 91.13 says, You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Jesus said in Luke 10.17, He said, um, oh, What did He say? I better read it. In Luke 10.17, He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among, among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. So we have authority in Jesus' name. But we have to exercise it. It's one thing to know we have it. It's another thing to exercise it. This, this authority that I'm talking about is spiritual. It's not physical. And it comes from the word revealed in our spirit. The living word in our spirit, when we speak from that and believe from that and live from that, that's what gives us authority to live as people of God here. Again, it's not how loud you talk. It's an anchor. An anchor is beneath the surface. When an anchor is in use, you don't even see the anchor. But it holds the ship steady, but you, you don't see the anchor. And who we are in Christ, you don't see that on the outside. That's on the inside. <laughs> are you here today? <laughs> Anchor number three. Lean into friends that care. Lean into friends that care. I'm talking about throwing out anchors in the midst of a storm. Our chief anchor is our relationship with Christ. But throwing out these anchors in the midst of a storm because storms come to everybody. So... That's why relationships are an anchor. That's why it's so important to have good, solid friendships. I don't know if you have small groups here in this church and, and have smaller settings, but if you do, it's important for you to be connected with them and have a, a smaller group of people that you can uh, 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 you know, live your life with so that when something happens to you, that you know they're right there with you. My brother Dan, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, August the 20th, he almost died. I was with his four children and his wife. And um, a virus had, had um, invaded his body. They still don't know today what that virus was. But he felt filled up with fluid so fast that he couldn't breathe. So they had to do an emergency breathing tube down his throat so that they could keep him alive while they got him stable and all of that. Almost lost him, August the 20th. Um, last weekend, he, he was preaching. Last weekend. And the doctor said, this is going to be a long... Uh, they said the recovery is going to be like a marathon. I heard him say it to Kathy. But he was preaching, what was that, like six weeks Five or six weeks later, he was preaching. <laughs> yeah. But what I wanted to say, 
I put something on Facebook, urgent prayer requests, put it on Facebook. And folks, if my, I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about, uh, you know, having a network of people that love you and care about you and, and that you love and you care about. And so if my, if my smartphone would have had, you know, little flickers of light every time there was a like or a comment, it would have been blinding. I think in less than 15 minutes, Dan has traveled the world in preaching and teaching in Bible schools and conferences and many different nations around the world. I mean, in 15 minutes, I got over 300 likes and comments from around the globe. <laughs> now, that's what social media ought to be used for, not for venting. You know, somebody, sometimes my granddaughter, she puts on there, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, and I'm thinking, what for? <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to try to figure it out then. I don't know why. You know, I'm over, I feel bad. I'm disgusted. I'm thinking, come on. <laughs> or some people say, well, I'm going to bed. Good night. I said, I'm, I don't care when you go to bed. Just go to bed. <laughs> right? <laughs> Good morning, I'm up. I said, but all around the world, hundreds of people were saying, they weren't saying, well, we believe God has a plan in this. No, they weren't. No, it was the enemy trying to kill him. God didn't have a plan in that. God will use it now because Dan will go and tell that testimony and encourage other people to believe God in a time of trouble. Give the devil a black eye every time he shares his testimony. So, so, um, Friends, it's an anchor. They were saying, we believe with you, we're praying. Hundreds of them. And there was no doubt mixed into it. Well, maybe, you know, maybe God is teach, trying to teach him something. No, 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 no. No, God is the healer, period. Period. This is huge in staying anchored in a storm. Acts 2.44 says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. That tells us that they were committed to one another. And then in Galatians chapter 6, and um, verse 2, it says, Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. <laughs> so we cast out these anchors in the midst of a storm. The living Christ, the, the, the living in Christ, the living word. Um, exercising our authority and leaning into Friends. Number four is setting our love upon Jesus and others. Psalm 91, 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. So we set our love upon Christ and others. Now, um, Mark 12 
says this. The most important commandment is this. This is Jesus talking. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Reaching out to others when we ourselves are in a storm gets our focus off of our problems and gets us focused on helping someone else. That's an anchor. I remember when many years ago we had a little boy, 16 months old, he got out on the road and was hit by a vehicle and died. Got out on the road in the dark on an October night. And um, about a week after that, someone asked us, and we were just pretty new in the Lord, I, I was. Sherilyn had given her life uh, to the Lord when she was a teenager. I never got saved until I was 24. And um, so this happened, and of course, it, it, it was the roughest day of our lives before then and since. Never has anything been that horrible than losing a son that way. But about a week or two later, forget the exact time, someone asked us if we would be willing to be on a team called Lay Witness Mission Team where you, you team up with some people and you go into churches and you share your testimony and you uh, teach the Word and you help people, uh, you help that church experience some renewal. And it was denominational churches like Methodist, United Methodist and things like that. And so we did that. And I'm telling you, it got us, it got our minds off of what we were going through and it got our minds on helping other people. And we never went through a, now I'm not saying, uh, this, is, this is us, this is what our experience was, and I'm not saying others are experienced the same thing, but we never went through a deep, deep grieving process. Because when we reached out to other people that way, it helped us, it was an anchor for us to keep us steady and helped us uh, keep, okay, stay focused, get our focus off of our loss. So are we anchored in our faith? Are we firm and secure? Are we at peace with God in our storms? Four anchors they threw out in the midst of a storm. And the four anchors I'm talking about, living in Christ, the living word, exercising our authority, leaning into friends, and setting our love upon Jesus and others. You know, I think it's possible for us to go through storms with peace in our hearts. You know the story when, when Jesus told his disciples one time, let's go to the other side of the lake, and a storm came, and the disciples got all scared, and Jesus was laying in, at the back of the boat, sleeping with his head on a cushion. And the disciples went and said, hey, hey, don't you care that we're, we're dying? We're going to drown. What are you doing? And Jesus got up and stilled the storm and he says, are you guys ever going to have any faith? That's what he said. When are you guys going to have some faith? And so really what he was saying is you can have, saying to his disciples, you can have peace in the midst of a storm. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So when the storm is over, we want to say, 
my anchor holds. When the storm is over, we want to say, my anchor holds. Hebrews 6.19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, thank you for, for speaking to us and bringing encouragement to us. Thank you for the hope that we have. The living hope that we have in you. Thank you for these anchors that we have. Lord, I don't know how you spoke to each individual in this room, but uh, I believe you spoke if we were listening. 